Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the March 5th episode. I happen to know that off the top of my head because Friday is my son's birthday. We have to um, draw names. And this month's winner is Lori. Lori. Lori Letchler. We're sending you a hat, Lori. Oh, we might have to Mo. check. You'll I feel like Lori might weeks. have a hat already. Oh, I think you're right. Lori, I feel like has been a faithful purchaser of all of our swag. So we might have to see what she doesn't have. Does she have a t-shirt? I'm not sure. I guess we'll ask her then. Yeah. We'll send her whatever the heck she wants. Yeah. <laughs> whatever she doesn't have. I'm pretty sure she has a hat. Um, a mug and a t-shirt then would be, we'll see what mm-hmm. she wants of those three things. That is our winner for this week, month. All right. We're starting in Exodus 10. Um, I found it interesting in Exodus, at the end of Exodus 10, when Pharaoh's about to send them off and tells them that they can go, but they can't take all of, they can, they can take their people and what they need to sacrifice and no, Mm -hmm. and Moses says, but we don't know what we're going to need to sacrifice until we get there. Of course, like with everything being in light, like I'm looking at everything as it applies to us, because there's so much of this as a parallel, right? Everything that we're seeing in Exodus is a parallel for how God continues to work spiritually, even now, pretty much. So just thinking about that and how the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks him what I, what he has to do to be saved. I've done all of the things what's left. And Jesus is like, you need to go sell all of your things. Now, do we all have to go sell all of our things to be saved? No, but the rich young ruler did because that was the, his thing, right? That was the mm-hmm. thing that was valuable to him. That was beyond what he was going to allow God to ask of him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And for Abraham, what makes Abraham's faith so great with taking Isaac onto the mountain is because that was his, that was his thing. Like the fact that Abraham was willing to sacrifice the greatest thing to him. Abraham was rich. So that's another great example. Abraham didn't have to sacrifice his things. He was called to sacrifice his son because that was the thing that would have been equal to his relationship with God. And Abraham was willing. That's what is phenomenal about that whole scene that we're going to study here soon. Just that idea that we are called to follow him. We're called to follow God into the wilderness and be obedient and do the things each day that he calls us to do. But like the actual sacrifice, what he's going to call us to actually lay down. We're not going to know until we get there. You know, we're, we're not going to get to, we're not going to know until the day that it's time. And he's going to go, are you willing to give up this? This is the thing that I want to know. Does it hold a bigger place in your heart than I do? You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, that's so interesting because that is, <laughs> I totally get it, but way different than way, the way I read it. Like, <laughs> yep, that's good stuff. I just, I was like, we do not know. It's in verse 26. We do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. Yeah. Like, Whoa. See, I read it as like, 
Well, duh. Of course they knew. And they're just like trying to pull the wool over oh. his eyes and he's being stubborn. You know what I mean? Like Pharaoh's like, of course I'm not going to let you go and take all of your things because then you're like, obviously you're not coming back. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. That's how I read it. Well, maybe, right? Because Guys, I can see right through, right through what you're saying. That's how I read it. Like super, yeah. like face value. Not, yeah. I didn't read any like lesson into it necessarily. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't normally, it just really, that's just the thing that caught my eye this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because that shrewdness that you're talking about, we're going to talk about that in Luke, yeah. mm-hmm. which like, that's a passage that I am hoping that you have some insight into because I'm like, what do I do okay, with I this? I think I know what you're talking about and the way that it's worded in the message was really helpful. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. good. Okay. Yep. Hopefully we'll remember to go back to that. So the, what, I, what I want to talk about when we get to Luke is the part where the master is, uh, what happens? The master's mad at his servant and he's going to condemn him. Mm-hmm. And the servant goes out and he forgives a bunch of the masters. He changes debt. the credit, right? He changes what they owe the yeah. master. Yeah. So, so that, that he'll have friends, right? right? So that he'll have friends on the other side. When he's out of right. the master's right. servant, he'll have friends in the world. Anyway. Yeah. I was like, and, and the master congratulates Jesus, him. Yeah. Right. And Jesus can, Jesus was like, dude, this is good. Do this. Be sneaky. Yes. Yes. So the, the end of that passage, the way it's translated in the message, what Jesus says is really helpful. It, yes. I was like, okay. huh, get it a little bit. Interesting. More. Okay. So I, hopefully we will remember now to hit yeah. on that because I have it underlined. So, okay, good. That was one little nugget I took from the beginning, but then we have the whole Red Sea passage. We're so glad you're listening to the recap with us. We'll get back to this week's reading in just a moment. Did you know that we're studying four different Bible studies in the book of Genesis this year? We just wrapped up our first one about creation through Noah. The next one is beginning March 9th and 11th. Please come join us as we study the story of Abraham. We're going to look specifically at how the gospel is reflected in this great man of faith. We've made it easy for you to join in anytime. We have podcast recordings of every chapter we've covered on our network, so you can easily stay caught up. Come and see at divecollective.org. One of the things that was interesting to me, it happens in chapter 11, and then I think it, later on again, it, um, it talks about how God made sure that the Egyptian people, that the Israelites were well liked by the Egyptian people. So that went, because when the Israelites left, they asked them for like all their gold and God made sure. Was it that they were well liked or was it that they were just afraid of that? So this is, this could be Peterson's translation of it. But in 11, he says, God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people. Also, Moses was greatly admired by the Egyptians, a respected public figure among both Pharaoh's servants and the people at large. Yeah, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. That's so, yep, good call. Well, and it's interesting too, like I think as you read through the plagues, there are times where Pharaoh's advisors are like, dude, let them go. Do you Mm -hmm. see what's happening to our country and our land? And so I think they probably recognized that again, this is one of those examples where they recognize that like Moses's God is the real God. This is in Exodus 11. Like after all of these things that have happened, all of these plagues, Mm -hmm. only God could do that. You think you would think naturally the Egyptians would have hated the Israelites because 
their leader, Moses, was the cause of all this disaster, you know? Right. Yeah. And yet God gives, God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people. Just another example of God looking out for his people. And that line, I guess it just kind of makes me think of the dividing line that we saw in some of the plagues, how God's people are, he, like they are set apart. Like, yeah. He is fighting for them. Yes. He's, there's a dividing line. There's mm-hmm. a clear dividing line between light and darkness. Crazy. Amazing. Like he like sets a curtain between them. Basically it was mm-hmm. all light on one side and all dark on the other mm-hmm. where the Egyptians were passing through. Yeah. Yeah. The dividing line between his people and not his people. It's so powerful everywhere you see it. I have highlighted in chapter 12, verse 27, And I think this is actually before the Passover happens and it's God just telling them what's going to happen to the Egyptians. And he's basically, Moses is basically telling them, this is what the Lord says, go and select lambs for yourselves, blah, 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 blah. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and your sons forever. Like he's basically like nothing has happened yet. He's just telling them what's going to happen. And when Moses is done talking in verse 27, he says, and the people bowed their heads and worshiped. I'm thinking out loud, but it makes me think that like what God must have done through Moses in showing the Israelites, the authority and power that Moses had, or the authority and power that Moses was going to, I mean, it was all God's power, but whatever that God had given to him, that just the word, just hearing what was going to happen was enough for them to bow. Usually like God does something. Yes. Yes. They're worshiping in anticipation. Like yes. they're still in Egypt. They have not yeah. been, they haven't been freed yet. Right. I think this is another example of God. He's faithful to give us reason to trust him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Moses is telling them what's going to happen, but they've just watched God do yes. all these miraculous things for them. Like That's in their it. favor, he's fighting for them. They're bowing in worship, which is impressive because they haven't been rescued yet. And yet at the same time, God's like, you can trust me. Look at these things that I've done. Yes. When they come out into the desert and they have to worship, this is when they're told that they have to sacrifice the firstborn of their flocks Mm -hmm. as a redemption for the firstborn of their sons. Like God wants every firstborn son is going to be set apart to him, but they're not going to be sacrificed. They're going to be, go ahead. Buy them back. What? Yeah. Okay. They buy them so you're, you, you said you're jumping ahead, but you're kind of not. Cause it, it talks about that. I was thinking through that whole thing in, yeah. In 13 God in Exodus, he's basically saying, you're going to have to yes. redeem every firstborn child among your sons. Yeah. It's in verse and it, 13. Right. Jesus fulfills so many things in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Like he's the firstborn. Yes. He sacrificed but we are also the firstborn. He He's the redemption to buy us the firstborn back. Like it's this whole, God is like already setting up. He's, he's establishing all of these things. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like, we get to watch it play out and he's telling them this. And as he's telling Moses what to tell the people for their sacrifice and how to remember the Passover, like he's planning on Jesus. Like mm-hmm. I am setting this up for you guys so that you can wrap your heads around what I'm going to give you, King Jesus. All of those things that he fulfills is why he has a thousand names. That's why yeah. the firstborn among, what is it? The firstborn. 
among all creation, the mm-hmm. alpha and the omega, the, re- mm-hmm. the re- he's our redeemer. He's our sacrifice. He's all the things in this picture. He's in that one line. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord, all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons, I redeem. He's the firstborn. He's the lamb. He's the, all of it. Yeah. Redeemer. He's the, right. Yeah. He fulfills all of it. And uh, yeah, it's mind bending. It is mind bending. And he's God, okay. man, the son of man, the son of God. So one of the things that I love is that they sing to the Lord in celebration of what he did. They kind of revisit it and remember everything that he did all through chapter 15. Mm-hmm. And then they are two lines into the wilderness before they say the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, wrote in chapter 14, um, did Moses ever feel like he was doing it? You know, he put his staff over the water and he, the result of that was the Egyptians all being swallowed up in the mm-hmm. sea. Did he feel responsible for their murders? You know what I mean? Was he, was there any amount part of him that was like, I did that or was he walking so closely with the Lord? I think he was obviously. I think the answer is that he, at this point, he doesn't, Mm -hmm. I think at some point he does, Mm -hmm. but just that thought that like, how, how does he keep from ever feeling like he's the one doing the the work? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that he gets the credit for it. And I was like, maybe that's how he does it. Because immediately after they do that, they're like two steps into the desert before the entire nation is like, you're the worst Moses. You know what I mean? And he can go, it's not me. Yeah. Like if this is between you and God, but I will, I will cry out to God yeah. on your, on all of our behalf. And you know what I mean? Like maybe the fact that the constant grumbling. Yeah. The constant grumbling was a reminder, like a constant reminder to Moses. Like you don't want the credit for this. Like, right. Just, <laughs> just to be clear, yeah. best for you to always remember that I'm the one that's doing this because Mm -hmm. as quickly as they're all celebrating the work that we've done together, they're going to be grumbling about the situation that they're finding themselves in. Mm -hmm. It's like God's grace for Moses. Like it makes me think of, I tell my kids, blame it on me. If you, if your friends want you to do something that you can't do, I will take the blame. Tell them your mom is the meanest. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to carry that. I'll carry it for you. Yes. Almost like God's like giving Moses that grace, that pass. It's not fun to deal with like the grumbling all the time, but it's Mm -hmm. like this reminder that Moses is like, it's God guys. It's not me. Don't get mad at me. Yes. Is the messenger. Yes. Yes. I didn't murder an entire nation of soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. So we go from there and then they're grumbling. Like he does that and they worship and then they're grumbling because they're hungry and there's no mm-hmm. food. And then God provides. And then God's provision there is we've talked about this many times. It's in the um, dive guide, but that idea that he gives them that idea that he calls them to go out and gather every day and they can only gather enough for that day. It doesn't save for them, but even if they gather more, it still measures one Omer. It still measures mm-hmm. the same amount. Just you can <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. About mind bending. Yeah. That whole concept that like, just like they, some gathered a whole bunch and still came back and it was only enough for a day. And some gathered just a teeny bit and came back and still it was enough for a day. Mm-hmm. It's that same idea that like, I'm reading the Bible a lot. This thing that we signed up for, like it puts <laughs> in the word a lot, a lot of chapters and then a lot of studying on top of that. And, and yet I'm not gathering any more than 
Joe down the street who just comes to the, just comes to a sentence in the morning and meditates on it all day. He has no less than I do for gather for reading 21 chapters. You know, like there's just it's the same like God gives us enough for each day. Those of us mm-hmm. who are faithful and are surrendered to what he gives us, tomorrow I have to go back and gather again. Mm-hmm. And however much I gather, it's going to be enough for like that's miraculous. It's astounding and humbling and I don't know, just that's mind boggling. Mm. Oh my gosh. I loved also in this section, once again, the reminder that the Sabbath was a gift. God says to Moses, how long are you going? Because people try to go out on the Sabbath. They don't do what they're told. Their rule is that you're supposed to gather twice the amount on the sixth day because the Mm -hmm. seventh day you're not to go out and gather because (laughs) yes. I totally would have been like, I got to know. That doesn't make any sense, first of all, because it rots. Like, we've tried this. We've tried keeping it overnight. We know it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, I get they didn't listen to Moses. A few of the men kept back some of it until morning. It got wormy and smelled bad. I totally would have kept some. Of course. Just to see what happened, you know? Yeah. But this Uh, idea that they're, God's like, guys, I'm trying to help you out here. Like, I'm giving you this day of rest. Take this gift that I'm giving you and trust me to take care, to do that thing that I need to do so that you don't have to gather. Yes. I wrote in 27, verse 27 in my Bible, it says on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And I circled the, some of the people went out to gather and I wrote, of course they did. Of course course they did. Of course they went out to gather on the seventh day. Of course they did. I mean, I just watched God, like watching them come out of their tents to look around and he's like, yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. And he doesn't leave anything like that. He doesn't, he's not like trying to trip them up. He's just like, there's nothing like, there really is nothing for you to do today. I, right. I really meant like, it. <laughs> just trust me. Like, just trust me and enjoy my gifts. Like I'm giving you a day to chill. I'm letting you relax. You've been working hard all week, gathering yes. your food, gathering your, like, and you I'm, have no less today. Right. And it's still there. Right, yeah. right. You have plenty. He's like, let me take care of you. You know what I mean? I just see so much of God's heart in that. And I can imagine it would have been frustrating. Yes. (laughs) To see those people go back out. My one quick thing from Job. It was exactly what I needed yesterday. I was, I was having a moment where there's this opportunity I have. And when I talk about it, it involves talking about my gifts and things that I'm good at. And I hate it. Like every time I find myself talking about it, there's no way that I don't feel like all of my pride is like all right in the middle of all of it. And it ju- I just feel gross and mm-hmm. ashamed. And my insecurities are in like full swing in this whole process. And all of that insecurity is all wrapped up in that pride and shame. I'm yeah. just going back and forth yeah. between pride and shame, pride and shame, yeah. pride and shame. And never, like, yeah. cannot find that middle ground where it's be okay with who I made you. Mm-hmm. Celebrate who I made you. Be okay with it. But it's it's not. Like, I can't yet. I haven't quite figured it out. Anyway, I'm watching Joe. I was reading Job's words to um, the friends. It's his last words before Elihu speaks. And some of the things that he says... He talks about how he longs for the days of his youth. Oh, that I were as in the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head and by his light, I walked through darkness. And by his light, I walked through darkness as I was in my prime. 
something about that. As I was like struggling with this feeling of just all knotted upness, and I'm reading this in the midst of it and thinking, I miss the days where I just enjoyed reading. I mean, recently, it's not like it was a long time ago, but within recent months, like I've just read scripture and things are coming alive and I'm getting excited about things and I can't help but talk about them. And it's all just thrilling. So it's just kind of like, like, I long for that. Like I want those days back where I'm just walking by the light of your lamp and that's it. That's all there is to every day of my life. And it's such a joy, right? So I'm reading that and kind of like, struggling and hating where I'm at right now and wondering how far off those days are like where whether I'll ever see them again and whether it'll be tomorrow not even like considering that it might be tomorrow but like when those days will be back again you know Mm -hmm. and then I was reading Elihu's words he says in chapter 33 starting in 23 it says his soul draws near the pit and his life to those who bring death If there be for him an angel, a mediator, one of the thousand to declare to man what is right for him, and he is merciful to him and says, deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. Let his flesh become fresh with youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. He's literally, he's talking about Jesus, like we said. Okay, so here we've got two more names of Jesus. He's the ransom He's um, the, he's the mediator, one of a thousand that like the intervenes on our behalf that um, delivers him from going down to the pit. He's found a ransom so that we can be fresh with youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. It's like that thing that Job was longing for Elihu saying like, oh, that there would be a man who would pay the ransom for, so that we could go back to our youthful vigor. And it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's not tomorrow. It's right now. Like right now is when I get to go back to my youthful vigor. Like this is the celebration that he knows that what I long for is my path, my everything being lit by his light, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is it. This is it. I say to God in verse 27, I sinned and perverted what was right. And it was not repaid to me. It wasn't repaid to me because Jesus took Jesus. Right. right? Like that whole, just, I get to live in it right now. And the lie whose words, it's like, this is. We get to go back to our youth and live with our youthful vigor because even though we sin and even though we fall so far short and even mm-hmm. though we pervert what's right every moment of every day, right, their pride is right there lingering under all that is good, you know, and yes. it sneaks up and we go back and forth between insecurity and pride and insecurity and yeah. pride because that's all pride, you know, right, right there. It's like, but Jesus, he paid that for me so that I can go back to my youthful vigor mm-hmm. and like shake it off. Mm-hmm. all been seen, all been paid, all done. I was like, yes, I still really, really love Elihu. I feel like I, he's awesome. He's so great. He's still missing the point. I feel mm-hmm. like he's like just shy of it. Like he still has the same, like you get what you, you get repaid kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But, but right after those sections that you were just um, reading, there were a couple sections there where he talks about like, if only we could respond like this, we could do this, if only this. But then right after that in verse 29, it says, this is the way God works over and over again. He pulls our souls back from certain destruction. So we'll see the light and live in the light, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you're talking about. Yes. To bring back his soul from the pit that he may be lighted with the light of life. It's literally like Elihu is responding to exactly the same words that G- Job pours out in mm-hmm that chapter that I was just reading 29. Yeah. And the beginning of 29, all that Joel longs for 
Elihu's saying it's there. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else from Job? I'm sure we do. There's like a ton in here. Yeah. I just loved Elihu. At the end of 34, this was like the thing that I feel like it kind of summed up, actually reminded of what we were talking about last week, I think, where they're missing the point where Job is missing the point. Job's like, I'm Mm -hmm. righteous, I'm righteous, I'm righteous, I'm righteous. Oh yeah. And it's in full effect here. Like Job just, this is where you see Job being like, I deserve none of this. If I had done anything wrong. Yes. Right. And Elihu says, so 34 is basically Elihu. It's like God's God. Like he's always working behind the scenes. He's watching. He sees like the good and the evil. You can't hide from him. Like he can't do anything wicked. Like, why are you questioning him? Elihu kind of like hits the nail on the head, I feel like, in a lot of ways in 34. And at the end, he says, so why don't you simply confess to God? Say, I sinned, but I'll sin no more. Teach me to see what I still don't see. Whatever evil I've done, I'll do it no more. Just because you refuse to live on God's terms, do you think he should start living on yours? Wow. As people, it is so easy for us to gloss over our sin. It's Mm -hmm. so easy for me to look at someone else and be like, well, I'm not that bad. You know what I mean? Like, and Job is like, that's kind of what he's doing. Like in a few of these chapters, he gives this like laundry list of all the wonderful things that he's done in his life and all the things that make him righteous, which are all great things, but it's in comparison to other people. You know what I mean? Like he's missing the point. He's missing the fact that at his core, he is sinful. Oh my gosh. That what you're saying right now reminds me of what I was reading in Luke that I was so convicted. Like I was super convicted. I've never been convicted by this passage the way that I was today, but it says he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. And he's not wrong. Like he, the, right. this man has spent his entire life checking all the boxes and doing all the right things. Like he has a lot to be thankful for. You know what I mean? Like, like in right. his, even head, in that, like, I'm thankful that I'm not like this person. He is Job. This, yes. Like yeah. he's Job. He's fully righteous. There is not, he is without blemish as far as he's concerned like he's done all the things like it's very much like job oh my gosh yes and then it says but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying god be merciful to me i am a sinner i tell you Mm -hmm. this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for Mm -hmm. everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted and i was Mm -hmm. like obviously i'm wrestling with pride this week and insecurity and all of that and it's like I was just like, oh, this is so convicting. So, so convicting. Show me my sin. Show me my sin. Yes. Show me my sin. Show me my sin. (laughs) Yeah. So that kind of ties into, we read Zacchaeus this week, which I don't know. I think I've, I just have always loved Zacchaeus. He wanted desperately to see Jesus. Like I, that just has, I, I can't wait to talk yes. to Zacchaeus. Like, I want to know what was it about? Was it the fact that Matthew, someone who does the same thing as you like follow was one of Jesus's followers and you wanted, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. so many things that make me wonder what, yes. Zacchaeus, what was it about it that made you want desperately to see Jesus? And I kept and, thinking about Matthew sitting at that table too. It was yes. like, dude, this is so good. So like, yeah. he's like, I get it. Like just, 
Yes, you're right. I kept thinking about Matthew and that story so much. Yep. Yeah. And then he loved it. So what I loved about Zacchaeus' story, what stood out to me for the first time in that story was that Jesus had just given like three different examples of how parties are supposed to go. Like who's supposed to be invited to the parties and that they're supposed mm-hmm. to invite the weaker one, like the lower ones and the cast outs. And he gives all these the stories about the, where you're supposed to sit at the table, like go sit at the low table so you can be invited up. And then he gives the story about the kingdom of heaven and how the master is going to go and send, he's going to invite everybody. And all of the people that he invited are going to have excuses for why they can't come and why he, and then he says, go and compel the people to come to me, like compel the people that are hiding under the bridges to come into my party. Like he's inviting to the party. And then almost like the very next story, I feel like it's really close behind. You end up seeing the master be invited to the text, the sinner's house. Like it's like a, he completely flips it the way that only Jesus can. And he's like, not only are you supposed to invite the lesser people, you're supposed to want to go to the lesser people's yeah. house. Like you should be going to their house and communing with them and be in fellowship with them mm-hmm. in there. I was like, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, that's a really cool Everything on its head. Yep. Takes it to the next level. Okay, the story, the one we were talking about in Exodus, the story of the crooked manager. I wrote help. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) 16. Tell me what you know. 16. The rich man finds out that his manager is taking advantage of him. So he so he fires him. And the manager is like, shoot, I'm going to end up out on the streets. What am I going to do? So then he goes to all of these people that owed his, the rich man money. And he says, oh, you owe a hundred, cross it out and write 50. Oh, you wrote. So he changes it all. So they owe, they actually owe the rich man less so that he has this like street cred when he gets out and he has friends on the street. And at the end it says, now here's a surprise. This is still the story. Jesus says, here's a surprise. The master praised the crooked manager. And why? Because he knew how to look out for himself. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. Okay, so this is where they're on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. I want you to be smart in the same way, but for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to create survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials. So you'll live, really live, and not complacently just get by on good behavior. Mm. So it's like, be street smart for the right things. Yeah. It makes me think of, I don't know whether this is a good application or not, but it makes me think of the church right now in times of COVID struggling to find the way. If we can't gather together, if we can't reach the people by inviting them in, how do we find that? How do we be the church without the building? I don't think that that's a perfect application, but it does make me think when we have adversity, like we've got to figure out how to do what's the work around to make sure that we're doing the work that we're called to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's really confusing. in ESV. ESV says, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. You what? So that when it, is this the part that you were like, what? Yeah, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Yeah. 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 I was was like, wait, we're supposed to make hell better for ourselves. What? 
Like that's, I mean, the way that it, I, the way that it reads, it's almost like if you're not going to make it into heaven, at least like make good friends with the people that are outside of the kingdom. So yeah, that when you that's fall into hell, how it sounds. That's not right. It's, which is actually why I wrote what help, because this is the, why it's important to know the Bible. Cause you can read the whole thing and go, right. this does not fit. Like this is not anything that right. Jesus would say. I'm obviously not understanding something here. <laughs> Right. This yes. Is, it's me, not you. <laughs> yeah. It's the reader. It's user error. Yes. <laughs> user error. Uh, anyway, so that's, um, that was, and then the other passage that I really love from Luke is that passage, because it's again, the talents where he gives them that he tells him to go be faithful while he's away. And I love the way that Luke talks about it. Cause Luke basically says that Jesus is like, he knows that he's going to, and they're going to be looking for him. Chapter 19, verse 11, it says, they heard these things. He proceeded to tell them a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Mm. It was like, I love that he gives them that reasoning. He's like, I'm going to tell you, like, they're going to, they expect the kingdom to, of God to come immediately. And so I'm going to tell them this parable and hope that they remember it because I'm going to go away and they, I want them to know that like, I'm leaving that I'm leaving them a deposit. And what I want them to do with it is to make more, you know? So he's basically mm-hmm. telling the story of like, I'm giving you yeah. this deposit. And when I come back, I'm going to collect on it. And so the one with five brings back five more, the one with two or three. And then the one buries his. I just remember the day that I heard this parable. It was actually being read in chapel. And it was the first time that I caught this phrase. And I was like, there's the problem. (laughs) Says then another man came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. Mm. And then the master takes it from him and he gives it to the one with 10. And they're like, Lord, he has 10 minas. And he says, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given, but for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. He is, he is a, what's the, what does he call him? A severe, severe. man. Mm-hmm. He is a severe man to those who don't want him to rule over him. Mm. But the truth is, is like, I I keep going back to like, as I, I, you read the whole thing and then you're like, shoot, that's the reality is that like what he gave them was his to begin with. This man says, basically this guy says to him, you take what, what isn't yours. You reap what you didn't. sow. basically like you're taking what isn't yours. And the master's like, okay, you go ahead and believe that but all these other people realize that this was mine. Mm-hmm. This was mine all along. Everything that you have was given to you mm-hmm. for you to invest and make more with. It was, it's, it was mine when I gave it to you and I was coming to collect on it when I came back. And none of these people lost focus of that mm-hmm. because they were his master. Like they always considered him their master. He was their master. Um, but this guy never considered him the master. He never remembered that what was given to him loaned, entrusted, entrusted to him. Yeah, yeah. It was entrusted to him and that he was always the master to begin with. When the master leaves, the guy's like, my life is my own. And he was like, no, actually it was always mine. Yeah. There's so much in that parable. That's like, mm-hmm. there's so much. That's what I love about parables. You know that I love parables. Cause they just like, they, you just can dig deeper. Keep on deeper. giving. Yeah, Luke is good. In 18, 
part of this is I liked the the title. It's called The Story of the Persistent Widow. What It made me think of Eugene Peterson and his long obedience in the same direction. There was a judge in a city who never gave God a thought, and a widow kept going out, going to the judge and telling him that like her rights were being violated, whatever. She was persistent over and over and over. But he didn't care. After it went on, he said, I don't care what God thinks, and I care even less what pe- people think. This is what the judge says. But because this widow won't quit badgering me, I'd better do something and see that see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble. So then Jesus says, what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? Two things. One, it reminded me of when Jesus says, he's talking about prayer and he says, if you, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Like how much more will your father give you what you ask for? But then that last line, how much of that kind of persistent faith will the son of man find on earth when he returns? That just has me thinking. Even like what you were just saying about the kingdom, they expected the kingdom to appear immediately. Yeah. Jesus is like, this is, I'm coming, I'm doing this thing but it's not going to be completely finished until later. And it's going to require something of you. Yeah. It's going to require something of you, but when you, yeah, it's going to require something of you. And how beautiful is it that what he's talking about is the gifts that he deposits in us, the Holy Spirit's power to do the things that are awesome. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's not like he doesn't require slave labor. He requires like the delight of, his work, like working with his spirit to do the things that he gives us the joy and delight in doing. Yes. He requires us to stick with him. Kind of like what yes. you were talking about in Exodus, like that you were talking about Abraham's faith versus the rich young ruler. Yeah. Like what's required of us is very personal, very unique to how he created us. Right. But it's not like you just said, it's still it's not in our strength. Like even that, I, the idea that faith is a gift. My brain is going so many different directions right now because it's all, it's like not, it's one of those things again, that it's this and this, it's these things together. Yes. Like faith is a gift we are given. And yet there is a responsibility on us to pursue that long obedience in the same direction. It's Mm -hmm. both the end. Mm -hmm. And yet even in that long obedience, God gives his spirit to do the work. Like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> yeah. And doing that first step of that first little thing of faith exercises our faith. And that word exercises so mm-hmm. the faith gets stronger and then mm-hmm. it gets stronger. And the more we exercise it, yeah, it teaches us that perseverant mm-hmm. perseverance. Good stuff. Oh, this was a good week. It was full of really good, like, life-giving stuff mm-hmm. it met me right where i was at this week it was good mm-hmm. all right that's the recap we'll see you next week thanks for listening to the recap if you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading you might be interested in joining our in-depth bible studies where we model our version of inductive bible study you can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week <laughs>